Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it today. We are thinking about a blissful marriage. You know, this is really something that you need to think about if you are about to get married, if you're currently engaged, you're in the dating game, or you are married and you're trying to figure out what is going on, you know. <laughs> so luckily for me, I have Pastor Jeff here who wrote a book called Keys to a Blissful Marriage. And let me tell you, it is a great book that I had the pleasure to read. Let's see. I got it. Wait, no. Nope. <laughs> It's not showing, but it's there. I have it in my hand. I can show mine. <laughs> there you go. That works a lot better. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, Jeff, I was reading it, but for the people who are listening who haven't got the pleasure to read it yet, what has really inspired you to write this down? Well, I'll give you a little bit, bit of background. Um, I had been searching about what the Lord would have me do with my ministry in my life. And I, I wasn't getting it. And so, uh, but I, I did, I realized that I had a gift of writing and I used that gift when I, when I preached and I would script everything out and I could write in such a way that you would know that I was reading off of a paper. So um, that was a gift that God gave me. And I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe I could just, put all my scripts together and convert it into some kind of literary form and write a book, which I kind of did start. And it was called from the minister's desk. Yeah. Well, okay. midstream, I was kind of stopped in my tracks. And uh, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to write a book that wasn't just for the church, but for everyone. And that's what this book is. It's really for everyone. And so you don't find, you know, chapter and verse from the Bible in it or anything like that. But it's all based on biblical principles and, and, and how God has, has laid out his uh, ultimate best for marriages today. As, as, and as I've said it many times in the book, that his intention was for it to mirror image his relationship with the church. And every marriage is capable of doing that and should be. Yes, yes. And that's what when I was reading the book, it was really nice to see that it wasn't like that. You know, it wasn't structured in that in that point of view where you read a Bible verse and you basically just broke right. it down. Like if that's the case, then let me just go to church. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, right. <laughs> and that's and that's why I, I was glad to read that. And what made it even more impactful was how raw and honest you were you know what I mean you were honest about the fact that I had two failed divorces but you know what with my third one I have my beautiful wife and I'm happy right. and this is the one and you write your goods your bads and everything in between so that we can really think about our lives and our per and, and what we're going through in a real nitty-gritty way you know and I think that's Amen. and I guess my question, when you were writing the honesty of your own mistakes, did it ever bring shame or, you know, regrets or possibly like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't put this in the book. Has those thoughts ever came to you when you were writing a book? Absolutely not. You know, the first scripture verse I ever learned was Romans 8, 28. It says that all things, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so we go through some some real junk in our lives, you know, and yet God, it's not all for naught. God has a purpose for those who love him, who he loves and who he has, he has a calling for. 
And so I went through the ringer. I mean, I those two ugly divorces were just miserable for me. And one of them sent me into deep depression for a year. I think I might have written that. And uh, it was just a terrible time. And I don't mind being open and honest with people because there's too much of that in the church where where there's so much things that are just kind of covered up or maybe not made sound so terrible. And supposedly you're supposed to, to look at God and say, well, gee, isn't he great? Well, you know what, though? Everybody goes through some stuff and they want real life. They want to be ministered to in a very real way. And that's what this book does. And it, it's, it's total transparency on my part. And the reason that I did that was, again, because I wanted people to see that that I'm real. You know, that my story is real, that I'm real, and I'm not just making this stuff up. And it's not just a, a cookie cutter, sugar coated way of saying you need to get to know God or or commit your marriage to him. Yes. You know, it, it's it's a very real nitty gritty approach to a, a, a very, um, very special topic and, and very special to, to the heart of the Lord. Yes, I, I agree. And I think it was nice when I was reading the part when you were talking about prayer and the relationship and how you even said, you know, my prayer life was like a desert. I was just giving empty words and until I felt like it was pointless. But until I realized that moment that he was my father, the conversation, the momentum, the, the direction that you went with him was totally different. And I think that's beautiful because people need to realize that prayer is not just this simple, I mean, this structured That's right. like, routine. Like it's it's whatever that you are. It's whatever that you can express yourself. God just That's wants right. to be in your life. God just wants to be partake, like just wants to be informed. You know, like he already knows all, but he would like to be invited to know what's personally going on with you because that creates such a beautiful relationship. And when you, st when you stated how you would, pray for your wife and you would see it evolve. I mean, that's beautiful. You know, that's beautiful because that's, that just shows. And, and, and it goes back to scripture um, when, it, when they says when more pray over the same thing, then, you know, the blessing will eventually come. So, and I mean, that's how I see it. And I, and I love that you put that in your book because it reminds people that there is power in prayer. You That's know? exactly right. Prayer changes things, sister, truly does. And and I've seen many mountains move in my life and not just in my marriage, but uh, I mean, I could tell you if we had more than a half hour to, to talk to each other, I can tell you time and time again, when I had been snatched out of the jaws of death, literally time and time again, God was always there. You know, he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And he's a, he's a man and a God of his word. He, he, he will stick to his word and, and he has never left or forsaken me. And no matter what the situation was, even in my darkest hour, you know, when I was in the deepest of depression because of divorce, he was there the whole time. And I always knew that he was there, but I just didn't. I mean, the things that I was going through, it was, I was in a spiritual tailspin. I just didn't have the strength to, to just be all and to do all that, you know, that God called me to do and wanted me to be, not during those times. But he knew that. And he knew that I would come out of it. He knew exactly what it would take to get me out of it. And after 28 years, he pulled me out of that dry desert. And that's when things began for me in ministry. Um, they're still going. You know, I, I, 
I, I see each and every new day as an opportunity, an opportunity to serve him and an opportunity to be used by him to further his kingdom here on earth and to bring him all the glory, honor and praise that only he deserves. You know, it says in Psalms 37, 4, that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. But that gets mis misinterpreted many times. And people think that, well, gee, OK, all the all the uh, the. The stuff that I want in life, I could I could get, you know, and and that sparked the the whole name it and claim it movement, where you know they they could just ask for anything and get it. No, it's not true. It's not how it works. God gives you His desires, and they they come from Him. And so when you delight yourself in Him, according to the Psalm, and you receive His desires, you can then pray in accordance with Mark eleven twenty four and Matthew twenty one twenty two, which essentially says that anything you ask in prayer, you shall have it. You can pray that with confidence, knowing that you have gotten rid of all the junk that you put in your heart and you made room for God's desires to be in your heart. And when you pray for those things and you're praying in accordance with his perfect and sovereign will, those are the answers of yes that you will always get from him. So, yes, I absolutely. It took a long time to get there. <laughs> it really does. It really does take some time to get that comfortability and that 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 openness to speak to God, because at first it feels like you're talking to yourself, you know what I mean? Or if, you know, it right. feels like, is it, is God even listening? But the one thing that I realize is God is always listening. You know, God is always there. God is always paying. Right. We're the ones that are lacking. You know, yep. we're the ones that are quick to get distracted and, and confused and overwhelmed and feel like we're isolated, but it's, it's far from that. You know, God is just standing there waiting, watching, because at the end of the day, we all have free will and we all have the ability to choose what we want. If it's in alignment with God, then it will be a bigger blessing that will be lasting, you know, because when you pray in God's will, then it lasts, you know, it sustains itself. It, you have a type of anointing that has authority, you know, and yes. it's a beautiful thing to have. But when you pray for meaningless things that are from the flesh and from this world, it's not going to sustain. You're going to, you may right. be blessed to, to get it, but then you're going to realize it's not something that you ever wanted. You should have never gone through that experience. That's and right. then a whole bunch of regret comes, but then it comes back to it works in God's favor because now you have a lesson that I'm Unfortunately, you didn't want to, you should, you did, God never intended you to learn, but now you have to learn it because you chose this path. And That's I think right. a lot of the time people need to have that reminder. Mm -hmm. And it, it's lovely because referencing back to your book, you even said you had a selfish time, you know what I mean? A very yes. selfish moment in, in your life, in your marriage with Denise. And God bless her <laughs> for being yes. able to do it. You God know, bless. God bless her <laughs> because you you put her in a situation that she she was just accepting. You know what I mean? To follow her husband and to be a good she wife. Did. And you she even did. said it in the book. You know, doesn't just because it says to submit to your husband doesn't mean that it's it's time to be a king compound in your chest, men. You know, I mean, I exactly. love how you put men back in its place and women back in theirs, and you were just constantly reminding people like yo don't get oh, uh, like in your ego or over your right. head we all have responsibilities exactly we all have responsibilities. We're, we're equally responsible in our marriages and i would never point my finger at either one of my first two ex-wives and say it was their fault i would never do that because we were equally at fault and so we have to we have to own up 
to our own mistakes and, and, and humble ourselves at times, not only before God, but also before our spouse. And sometimes that's a hard thing for a human being to do because by nature, we have this pride thing that goes on and it began in the, in the garden. And there's no room in marriage for pride. And there's no room in, in God's relationship with us either for pride. And he won't have anything you know, to, to, to do with that when, whenever we try to be prideful with him. And so I, of course, just don't, you know, I mean, I, I've wandered the wilderness for 28 years. I didn't know what up from down was, but, you know, but I'm grateful he pulled me out of that. But, you know, the, the main thing is, is that the men hold the keys. And when you look back in the garden, I think I touched on this in the book. When you look back in the garden and the Lord made first the, the first man and the first woman and he instituted the first marriage relationship. It first came on Adam because he was the first man. She, Eve, was given to him. And so he was in charge. He was the one who basically held the keys to their marriage and he blew it in the garden. Ultimately, when they stood before the enemy, he should have stood right in front of her and said, uh-uh, we're not buying this. Just go away. But he didn't do that. He didn't protect his wife. Instead, what did he do? He joined in on the sin, you know. And, and unfortunately, that just ruined it for every generation after. But, you know, God said that that he uh, that, that, that the man shall leave his mother and father and and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That is a great miracle that happens in the spirit in, in every wedding situation. The two become one flesh and we are bound together in the spirit of God. And he is what holds us together, who then said that. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. And that also includes husband and wife, by the way. It's easy to get a divorce today. It really is. It's, it's a, a, a real painful thing to have to go through. And people don't realize it until they've been through it. But, but it's really very easy to just say, all right, well, you know, we have unreconcilable differences. I guess we'll just go our own ways. But that's not God's best. And uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee who came to Jesus and said, you know, how was it that, that Moses allowed for a divorce? And Jesus answered him and said it was because of the hardness of their hearts. Mm -hmm. There's no room for a hard heart in a marriage. And so my, one of my daily prayers, and I mean daily, over my marriage and over my wife is, Lord, help me. Help me to be the very best husband I can possibly be for her. That I would always, always, always remember to treat her with nothing less than love and respect, no matter what. No matter what's said, no matter what's done, no matter what's not done, no matter what's not said. Whether or not I feel frustration in a conversation with her. Nothing less than love and respect. And I do fail her at times. And I do have to apologize for that. But most of the time, the Lord helps me with that. Then I say, Lord, help me to, to just today to make her feel special, needed, wanted, desired, loved, nurtured, and valued like a gazillion dollar diamond because she's all those things to me and so much more. The Lord told us in Ephesians 5.25, I mentioned this in the book, husbands, it's directed to us. We hold the keys. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. What does that mean? How does Christ love the church? Well, he was willing to die for his bride. And so we should also be willing to die for ours, but not just physically. You know, I go on in that, in that prayer each day and I say, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, equally important to this. I'm willing to die to myself daily, you know, and, and to, uh, to prioritize her needs, her wants, her desires above my own, and to esteem her higher than myself because she's that important to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you're a pastor writing this because it, for some reason, people have this weird idea 
where pastors are supposedly the closest thing to God. You know what I mean? Like they're the gatekeepers and it's like, okay, it's not, a, it's not, yeah, they're human just like any other person. Right. It's going to fall short sometimes, but that's the beauty of grace. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the beauty of just having that grace because Jesus died for us and we automatically have the salvation and it's not done by our works. Goodness, right. if it was done by it. our works, we'd not, nobody would make it. No one <laughs> would make it. Goodness, everybody just get in line to hell because that's where our we're all going. Our righteousness is but filthy rags before the Lord. That's what the Bible says, and it's true. We're nothing without him, and we're everything with him. Exactly. And I think once we realize how much we need them as an individual, once you start having that relationship, you realize that if you really want this to be real and sustainable you have to have god in it you have to there's right. really no if ands and buts about it and that's what i love when you said it in the in, in your book right in the beginning like eh, this is for the unchurched people too but just to let you know at the end of the day you're gonna need god you know that's what right. i mean you totally. are because when you do it by yourselves and your own mindsets and your own name it and claim it method <laughs> you're literally gonna realize like you're stuck you're stuck. You're always going to reach a wall in your life and your relationship because there's always advantages and disadvantages. And for some reason, everybody thinks that everyone's replaceable. And if you have that yep. mindset, you you really don't know the love of the Lord because that love of the Lord is irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Absolutely irreplaceable because how God loves is so amazing because mm -hmm. so we are unworthy of it. You know, That's but right. it's so beautiful how he sees worthy in us. And it's just an amazing feeling. And I love talking to God with other people. And having a pastor on my show is amazing to me because it's an honor. <laughs> because I talk to all these other people who have been saved and they show me, they tell, they tell me their journey and how they came to God. And you came in my life in a different direction you know what I mean in a whole different path of of sure. marriage you know and I'm along my lines of just going into that marriage and literally your book came during an argument with me and my fiance <laughs> <laughs> Well, God, that's perfect timing. <laughs> it was, it was because I got to read in the beginning, it talks about the advantages and disadvantages of dating and just combining yourselves to be, become one. And you right. realize that, you know what, that's something to really think about. You know, you really got to realize that there are advantages and disadvantages when you are becoming with one with someone, you know what I mean? If you really want to be that one with someone. And that doesn't come natural to a human being. And so the dating process and the engagement process is really like practice for, for ultimately being husband and wife. And that's why we have these, these, you know, stages that before we get married and see, that's where one of the things that I did wrong. My first two marriages is that I didn't get to know these women long enough. We dated for six months. We were engaged for six months and then we were married both times. I made the same mistake. The difference was the second time I got married, I thought, well, this, this woman is nothing like the first wife. So she must be what I'm looking for. And <laughs> I was so blockheaded into believing that, that I actually married her. And it was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made, except that with this woman, she became the mother of my children, which I, I am very grateful that's good that's so nice see ladies and gentlemen you have to read the book um if you if you like and if you're interested i have access to get in contact with pastor jeff and he can send it to you directly 
And if you'd like to make a donation to the ministry, that's all up to you. There's no pressure at all. Pastor Jeff has really shown a different side of the Christian life and Christian love that people need to realize, you know, that there's people out there who's really trying to demonstrate and reflect the love of the Lord out of them, like Jeff is and myself and all these other people who have been so good that I'm pretty sure that you have around you as well. And let's be honest, the glory goes back to God because it just shows God is trying to speak to you. God is trying to get you where he needs you to be to receive your blessings, to receive your insights, to receive everything he has for you, all the promises that only you know, and all the prayers that only you know, you will mm, receive. So vast. Yes, yes, so vast. You will there's receive. No, there's no ending to God's blessings or his resources in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all a matter. A lot of times we come to prayer and just have a long laundry list of things to ask of him. Yes. You know, I usually start off what I call with the Lord doing personal business with him. And sometimes there are things that I just need to talk to him about. And I don't spend a lot of time on it. And most of the time from there, I just go into praying for and praying over my wife. Uh, there's really nothing else in this world that means more to me than her. And, and that's really how it should be. And so uh, I, I don't have a lot of wants, needs and desires. My desires, as I said, they come from God. So the very things that he has placed in my heart to do are for him, not for me. And it's not for reward in this life. Because this life is temporary. We're, look, we all have an appointment where we're going to end up, you know, six feet under or unless the Lord comes first, whichever is first, preferably the latter. And, and I pray that way, too, each day, maybe today, Lord, maybe even this morning or this afternoon or tonight. But if not, may it be soon that you rescue us from this world. It's it's dark. It's dirty. It's sinful. It's temporary. And just come and and let your light shine in the sky and and come back for your church very, very soon. We're seeing a lot of things in the world that are taking place that have been prophesied from long ago. And and I personally, what I, I, we're in what I call the last of the last days. Now, I, I'm not saying that as though I'm a prophet because I'm not, but, um, and I don't really think that's for today. But at the same time, you know, you look around and you see things that are happening in this world. And a lot of the things that we're seeing with our own eyes was prophesied that the Lord, even the Lord himself was said, you know, would happen. And so there's not really a whole lot left that was said for, for things to, to come about. So uh, I, for one, believe that we are in the last of the last days. And that's why I just feel like, you know, I'm, I just turned 64 last month and I feel like I'm 20. Awesome. Thank God. <laughs> right? That's only God can make you feel that way. Don't get me wrong. I've got a few little issues here and there, but for 64, I'm, I'm kicking pretty well. But uh, there's so much I want to do for him, and 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 I just want it to be his will, not mine. And sometimes that's very challenging to find out what those things are. And, you know, when he gives you a gift, you have to use it, and you have to use it for his glory. Uh, I remembered what my sixth grade teacher wrote in my autograph book as I was transitioning to another school, and it said, keep up the creative writing. And I thought, well, I didn't know I had that. And then I went on to another school for seventh and eighth grade. In eighth grade, our eighth grade teacher assigned us a, a, a project to write a children's book. And I thought, well, I got this. I know what my sixth grade teacher wrote. But the caveat was that we actually had to, we had to illustrate this book. And I didn't have an artistic bone in my body. So I took a blue ink pen and I drew stick figures. And the teacher loved it. I thought for sure it was going to cost me the grade, but she loved it. And she was actually going to have it published even back then. But of course, 
transition from eighth grade into high school, she disappeared, all the books disappeared. And she's probably in Tahiti somewhere, sipping margaritas or whatever, and, you know, turning in all those books, and making all kinds of money. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I, you know, when I, I, what I had to do is I had to get to a place of surrender. I tried a lot of things in ministry that failed, literally surrender, threw my hands up in the air and I said, Lord, I give up. But I'm not giving up on you. And these hands are powerless outside of you empowering them to do what you have called them to do. So show me what it is that you want me to do. And again, I started thinking about, you know, my sixth grade teacher when she wrote the eighth grade book and all that. And I thought, God's given me a gift to write. And, and I do this with my sermons and everything. And so here I am today. This is actually my second book. My first book was called The Devil Ain't the Only Liar. Now, that book is really geared more towards the church. There's a lot of scripture in it, a lot of reference to, to just to simply back up everything that I was saying about it. And... Um, you know, like I said, this book was different because marriage is for everyone. And so this book had to be for everyone. And and that's and relationships and love is for everyone. And, and that's what this book really is all about. It's about my personal failures and my my personal uh, successes with my current wife. And, and it, towards the end of the book, I explain it's not perfect. You know, God has brought us through the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. You know, and then he escorted us into the beautiful. It's not the perfect. And it can't be perfect in this life, but it is the beautiful. And, and even in hurting marriages, and I've experienced those myself, given the right attitude, the right frame of mind, and giving it up to God and letting him be the Lord of your marriage as well as everything else in your life, then you've got a, sh a shot at success as well. There you go. Amen. I, I believe it. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you stepped into your purpose, stepped into that gift that God has given you because you're absolutely right. When you actually go to God's calling and go towards it, even if you're walking it or skipping it or tiptoeing in it, it's the fact that you're heading in God's direction and you're learning to trust him. You're learning to have yes. faith. You're learning yes. in your own way because one thing that people don't tell you is that God's relationship is personal, very right. personal with each and every individual. That's and right. I just want people to remember that he's not a genie in a bottle. He's not going to make right. your wishes come true. And you have to remember, it has to align with God's purpose. You have to get yourself mentally ready because God has always been there for you, just waiting Absolutely. for you. And don't don't feel like you have to go through this alone. You know what I mean. Don't don't allow shame and guilt to take you away from God because all those all the messiness that we tell ourselves to to believe that God isn't real or isn't doesn't care, then mm. that's that those are all lies that we tell ourselves to push Him away. In reality, we don't need to because. God is the only one that can save. God is the only one that can heal. God is Amen. the only one that can make anything happen because there's nothing too small or too little. And I truly believe that. And everything that you have been saying has been so great. And that book that you've written, Devil, The Devil Isn't the Only Liar, that seems so interesting. Oh my goodness. I could only talk. I'm gonna have to bring you back for round two because goodness, <laughs> that's another one that I'm gonna want to like pick your brains about and read because I, I, I would be delighted to goodness. do that. I, you know 
there's so many things that are being preached from both sides of the pulpit. And that's what I say in the book from behind the pulpit as well as in front of the pulpit that, that they even don't have any biblical print or, or biblical uh, value of any kind. And yet this is what believers are taking with them and they, they, they run with it. And that's what they guide their lives on. And it's, it's all wrong. You know, even it little is. things sometimes you don't even really think about, you know, like just, uh, just for a quickie, I'll give you a little snippet, but uh, you know, we're, we're taught as believers for at least, Firstly, in, in our walk, that that we were all born into sin, and that's how we're to evangelize. Well, that's not true. We're not all born into sin. We're born with a sinful nature, but we don't have a freedom of will just yet because we don't even know what a will is. We don't know what sin is when we're first born, and that would mean that every baby would go to hell if we were all born into sin and then they died. Yeah. So that's just one little thing, you know, that's being preached at, at, at us in church that is just messed up. No, you're you're absolutely right because I've spoken with other people who actually got fallen into a cult. And the biggest thing that they say is they use the word from the actual Bible and twist it. And twist sure. it and twist it and twist it. And it's just like it's yep. ridiculous. But goodness gracious, the time is running up. And believe me, we could keep talking. You're a great person to have on my show. The conversation <laughs> is amazing. Oh my goodness. I appreciate that. I receive a lot from you also. And I'm glad that we we made this time. And and I would I would just love to be able to come back to you and come back and talk with you some more. Can I close this out with a word of prayer? I, I love prayer and, and that's yes. how I love to do things. Yeah, let's go ahead. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you because of who you are, because you are our Heavenly Father, because you love us to the great heights and widths and lengths and depths of your, your unconditional, never-ending love that none of us can even fathom. And that's what makes you our Father, among other things, Lord. No one could have done for us what you did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago and paved that way for us to be able to have to have uh, a full victory over sin as we shared that victory in you, to be able to walk in, in a, a life with you and, and not totally perfect, not totally without sin, but because of you, we can come to you anytime, day and night and confess our sins and you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what you said. That's what we believe. Father, only you would be willing to, to become our sins, to nail them to that wooden cross, to bleed all over them, to agonize over them, to die in them. I don't know another human being that would be willing to do that for me, and I know there isn't one, but there was you, Lord, and you did it for the whole world. Praise your holy name. Father, we love you for who you are and for for the fact that you are our Father, that we the fact that we, we can have a personal relationship with you and walk with you and talk with you each and every day and do personal business with you. The fact that you will forgive us our sins and, and strengthen us and help us to do better. And Father, that's always been my heart. And I know that you know that. And so I'm just proclaiming it right here today on the show. And thank you for Mitzi, Father. I thank you. Things do not ever happen by accident. And I believe this was not one and so we thank you for this, this meeting and this newly found friendship, this brother and sister relationship. Father, we pray that you will bless it. Continue to bless the show, Father. Continue to bless your works as we continue to, to move forward in you. And we ask these things to be in the name of your only begotten Son and our precious, precious Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There you go. This is some great stuff to really think about, to always keep thinking about. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Always 